X-Ray. Welcome to The Local, your daily dose of hometown news and democracy. I'm Jefferson Smith from Portland, Oregon. It is Friday, October 16th, our 150th episode, a.k.a. the sesquicentennial of The Local. We appreciate your ongoing support. Tell a few friends. By the way, Fun Drive is next week. If anybody loves The Local and would like to start a little peer-to-peer page, Email the local at xray.fm. If you wanted to help a little fundraising drive, spread the word, and try to raise some money to make it more possible to do this, you'd be super dope. And we'd really appreciate it. Just email the local at xray.fm. X-ray. Today, back in the day, October 16th, 1384, way back in the day, Jadwiga of Poland was crowned as the first female king of Poland. Also known as Hedwig, Jadwiga was the daughter of Louis the Great. King of Poland and Hungary and Elizabeth of Bosnia. At about the age of 10, Jadwiga was crowned in Krakow after the passing of her father. Her sister Mary was crowned King of Hungary. She soon married and began to co-rule the country with her husband, the former pagan Vladislaw, the Grand Duke of Lithuania. She ruled until her death in 1399 at the age of 25. And in 1997, she was canonized by the Roman Catholic Church. And today, back in the day, October 16th, 1859, John Brown led the raid on Harper's Ferry. A Jayhawker born in Kansas was an abolitionist who believed that petition speeches and other nonviolent actions were not effective in ending slavery. He came up with a plan to raid the U.S. Army arsenal at Harper's Ferry, Virginia. Brown tried to recruit a wide swath of people, including Frederick Douglass, who refused because he thought the mission was suicidal. John Brown's plan was to raid the arsenal, take the weapons, give them out to slaves on nearby farms who then rise up and revolt. As many as 80 people knew about the plan before it happened. Some tried to tip off the federal government, but nobody was taking it seriously. And then on the night of October 16th, John Brown and 21 other men stormed the town of Harper's Ferry, taking hostages and cutting telegraph wires. Things started out well for the raid. After a surprising lack of support from local slaves and also conflicts with townspeople, Brown and a small band were trapped in the town. Two days after the start of the raid, Brown's men faced off against U.S. Marines commanded by Robert E. Lee. One Marine was killed. Ten of Brown's men were killed. Brown was captured and executed that December. His execution attended by John Wilkes Booth. His final words, I, John Brown, am now quite certain that the crimes of this guilty land will never be purged away but with blood. I had, as I now think, Vainly flattered myself without much bloodshed it might be done. Today, back in the day, October 16, 1916, Minoru Yasui was born in Hood River. We have told Minoru's story before. The third son of Japanese immigrants made Oregon history by becoming the first Japanese-American to graduate from the U of O Law School in 1939. Also became the first Japanese-American member of the Oregon Bar. When FDR signed the executive order, which among other things allowed for the relocation and detainment of Japanese Americans in internment camps, Yusui walked through Portland after curfew intentionally. We went over this story on one of the very first today back in the days, one of the very first locals at the beginning of the pandemic, March 28th. Because it was that day, March 28th, back in the day, 1942, that Yasui was arrested after he passed curfew. In court, he and his lawyer argued the curfew was unconstitutional, while the prosecution argued the government had special powers during wartime. The government was arguing that being of Japanese descent meant that a person was more loyal to Japan than to the United States. The judge ruled the curfew unconstitutional, but the judge also ruled that because Yasui had worked at the Japanese consulate before, he had given up his citizenship. 
He was sentenced to a year in prison and a fine of 5000 bucks. He spent most of his sentence in solitary confinement while he appealed his case. On appeal, the U.S. Supreme Court decided that he was, in fact, a citizen, but that the federal government did indeed have special powers during wartime. After he finished his sentence, he was sent to relocation camp in Idaho, an internment camp for Japanese Americans. After the war, Yasui opened a practice in Colorado where he advocated for civil rights. He appealed his case again in the 1980s after discovering documents that proved the curfew was not instated from the military necessity, but from racial discrimination. His conviction was overturned. Yasui died in 1986, and in 2016, the Oregon legislature designated March 28th as Minoru Yasui Day. We will start with today's Quick 6 news headlines, and we have an interview with Eric Delahoy on Walk the Vote. X-Ray. First up, it is time for today's Quick 6 local rundown. The city of Portland is suing Homeland Security for an unconstitutional federal overreach in their response to the protests. Portland and Oakland, California both filed lawsuits against U.S. Homeland Security for sending in or threatening to send in federal officers to quell social justice protests. The suit also cites the continuation of use and dispatch of federal officers despite objections from the city of Portland. The suit goes on to address the use of federal officers on non-federal property, including the construction of a fence and a city right-of-way. Remember that? We talked about that a bunch of times. The cities of Portland and Oakland allege that President Trump violated the anti-commandeering rule, which says the government cannot require states to enforce federal law. Additionally, the federal presence allegedly prevented cities from being able to safely self-govern and thereby stirring further unrest. The attorney for the suit writes the violations of the anti-commandeering rule are unauthorized. The suit follows the federal deputization of county and local federal officers set to last through the end of this year. That's 56 Portland police and 20 county officers now have enhanced federal powers despite objection from Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. Federal officers facing several lawsuits for excessive use of force, meanwhile. Attorney General Bill Barr and Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf are both referenced in the suit. They say force was necessary. The suit requests the federal actions be claimed unlawful and that the government award the city's costs to cover Portland's expenses. As of Thursday morning, the Oregon Health Authority had confirmed 374 new cases, bringing our total of 38,525 and 611 deaths, given three new confirmed coronavirus deaths. Last week, Oregon saw the highest number of new cases since the virus was first confirmed in Oregon back in February. The Health Authority recorded 2,418 new cases. That's an 18% increase from the previous week's total. So listen, folks, I know we're kind of bored. I know this has been going on for kind of a while. And it sort of seemed like, well, I haven't gotten it yet, which means I probably won't. No, that's not what it means at all. It just means you haven't gotten it yet. And if we all act like that, well, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get it. And so are some people you know. And you know what? Maybe I'll get it too. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. And if I get it, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. But let's try not to get it. And let's try not to give it to anybody else. We'd love you either way. We're in this thing together. We'll get through it together. I'm moving on to the next story. 21 new cases of coronavirus related to in-person schooling in Oregon. 10 cases were students, 11 were staff. The biggest outbreak was at a private school in Bend, where three students and four staff contracted the virus. Currently, there are more than 500 schools in Oregon that are offering some form of in-person learning, and 46,000 students are participating. Schools are allowed to offer in-person learning if their county's case count is below 10 for every 100,000 people. However, if the case counts rise, schools have to phase into remote learning. Meanwhile, wear your mask, wash your hands, and stay back! After two years of discussion, several environmental and industry groups are going to collaborate on hydropower. 
The groups are looking towards hydropower to help curb fossil fuel emissions. They aim to promote both healthy rivers and hydropower by relicensing and retrofitting some of the country's 90,000 dams to generate electricity. Currently, only 2,500 dams in the U.S. generate electricity. That means 97% don't. A Northwest Conservation Group, American Rivers, said that despite the agreement, they'll continue to advocate for the removal of four dams on the Lower Snake and Klamath Rivers. American Rivers President and CEO Bob Irvin responded with this. It is not peace in our times. We're going to continue to fight battles with the hydropower industry, whether it's on protecting the authority of states and tribes under the Clean Water Act or on particular dam projects. Irvin does hope these conversations lead to fewer battles between environmentalists and industrialists. Edie Mondanay announced early Thursday he will not continue his campaign for his second term as NAACP president. After the Portland Mercury published a story depicting the experiences of some victims of his abuse, Mondanay made a Facebook statement denying those claims. His statement said, What you're witnessing is the manifestation of a current trend of cancel culture, which seeks to destroy anyone who doesn't fall in line with their methods. My hope is that this distraction in no way interrupts the important work of eradicating racism in our city and nation. Mondanay has been president of NAACP's Portland chapter since 2018 and functioned as a community leader at his church celebration tabernacle since 1988. To read more, you can check out In Bad Faith by Alex Zelensky on the Mercury's website. Well, folks, a bunch of you are receiving your ballots. And on it is a measure that marks an inaugural attempt at decriminalizing drug use. Measure 110 seeks to decriminalize the possession of small amounts of oxycodone, cocaine, heroin, and meth. The measure will also take some of the money from cannabis taxes to fund health assessments, addiction treatment, and other harm reduction services. Proponents say they'd like people who are addicted to drugs to be taken out of the criminal justice system and have their addictions treated like a medical condition. If passed, Oregon will be the first state in the country to decriminalize hard drugs. Opponents say the measure goes too far without adequate funding to reach the addiction treatment goals described. Currently, the state does treat minor drug possessions as a misdemeanor. Under Measure 110, offenders would be just subject to a $100 fine, no jail time, and the fine could be avoided if the offender complies with a health assessment. For larger amounts of drugs, like 2 grams of cocaine, heroin, or meth, offenders are in Oregon currently charged with a felony. Measure 110 decreases that to a misdemeanor. Under Measure 110, the state is still able to use factor identification for commercial drug offenses or the intent to sell. But the measure aims to reduce drug convictions by 90% and impact drug use by who knows what percent. Some good news, Oaks Park Haunted Drive-Thru is officially open for the holiday season. Social distancing is the front of everybody's mind this year, so Oaks Park has devised a way to safely scare Oregonians. Because fear feels like the emotion none of us have felt in 2020. And by that I mean sarcasm. The Oregon governor's office approved the new take on the haunted house, which Oaks Park says combines new scare techniques and theatrical storytelling. Attendees will enjoy thrills like screams, jump scares, and fake blood splatters from the safety of their cars. Customers will book their visit ahead of time via an online ticketing system. More information can be found at scaregroundspdx.com. And that is today's Quick 6 Local Rundown. X-Ray. Up next is an interview with Oregon Democratic Convention Delegate and Community Leader, Eric Delahoy. Did you get your ballot? Eric's newest endeavor is three events to walk your ballot to the drop box. The first event is this Saturday at 4 p.m. starting at Tom McCall Park in downtown Portland. More info at walkthevote2020.com. Here are Eric Delahoy and Jefferson Smith. Uh, good morning, Jefferson. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for being with us. We are talking right now to Eric Delahoy uh, with Walk the Vote. 
Uh, Eric, why do you tell people a little bit about Walk the Vote? Sure. Um, thank you. Uh, so Walk the Vote is a kind of started with uh, just a grassroots uh, group, small group of people um, kind of uh, addressing the potential challenges that we saw in front of us uh, for voting in the 2020 presidential election, um, specifically around um, what we learned about the postmaster general um, uh, efforts to delay mail and to dismantle sorting machines, things like that. And we kind of got together and thought, well, why can't we just get out there, encourage folks to vote early, whether it's voting by mail, voting earlier, um, or to get folks to um, gather safely and socially and vote um, by dropping their ballots in uh, drop boxes around different precincts. And so that's where the um, idea began, uh, was for folks to either, you know, have a larger event, like something that we're planning in Portland um, and East Portland, or to even uh, begin their own walks. Uh, and we're providing them with kind of a toolkit to do that, whether they want to gather together three or four of their neighbors or 25 of their neighbors and friends. Um, to walk together, we want to show some solidarity in walking to the ballot box uh, and making sure that our votes get in early so they're counted and with the hopes of hopefully having a bulk of votes in and counted by election night um, so we can take away some of the uncertainty and some of the opportunities for the president to declare, you know, fraudulent activity. Um, so that's kind of the, I guess, the, the um, crux of what we're doing. So you walk from where to where? Just your own house? You meet up? And how come walking in a group? And how come walking rather than mailing it in or something else? Okay, sure. So, um, well, we have um, a couple established um, uh, meetups in Portland. Um, the first one is this Saturday, um, October 17th um, at 4 p.m. We're meeting at Salmon Street Springs um, in um, kind of the waterfront area and then uh, marching with the group uh, to Pioneer Square. Um, on Saturday, the 24th, um, we're doing the same thing at 4 p.m., um, meeting at Salmon Street Springs and then going to Pioneer Square. And then that morning at 10 a.m., we have um, an East Portland meetup in Floyd Light Park, and then we'll march um, through a neighborhood to uh, Multnomah County location on 122nd. The idea is um, that, you know, frankly, because we've been you know, in and not as social with COVID, what we want to do is provide people who are starving for some kind of, you know, social event that's civic uh, to get out and do that. Now, of course, we want to, um, we're requiring everyone to wear a mask and to maintain social distancing. And I think one of the pieces is that we originally thought there would be like a big march, but as we know, um, COVID um, spikes have been happening recently. I think a lot of folks are involved in a lot of different things. And so this idea of having smaller walks just to get people in different areas of the city, different areas of Oregon involved, um, you know, getting um, social media presence to encourage, you know, more of a bandwagon effect is really what this is all about. Um, we, as we started doing this, um, our hope was that this would also spread, you know, across the United States. And we ended up connecting with a group that had the same idea. And I'm sure there are other groups that we haven't heard of that are doing the same thing as well. Um, and uh, one of the groups that we uh, connected with is called We Walk the Vote. Um, and are you um, suing them for infringement on your intellectual property? <laughs> is this a controversy no. in the making? No, the funny thing is, is that we actually, we purchased the URL before they did. 
so that's how we found each other. <laughs> so we're all in it together. We want to all make sure that everyone gets out and votes. And their main effort, they started in California, but they're in uh, now in Wisconsin. And so what we're doing is trying to funnel folks who are interested in doing this kind of stuff outside of the state um, to them. And they're um, organizing um, swing state kinds of parades and rallies. In fact, just uh, uh, about a week ago, um, Michigan's Lieutenant Governor um, Garland Gilchrist uh, led a march of about 200 black men uh, to drop off their ballots at a ballot box. So we, we kind of want this to take off grassroots, um, you know, around the country uh, as well. Um, but even if folks are not comfortable, you know, in a bigger group, because a lot of people aren't, you know, and that makes a lot of sense given our time, uh, we're encouraging them to do smaller walks, you know, where they can, uh, we have um, a plan your walk um uh, feature on our website. The website is walkthevote2020.com, and folks can kind of pick where they're going to start. They can find their ballot box, um, choose their route, and then we can put that on the website um, so folks have a place to go to uh, to know where those are. Uh, but even if someone just wants to walk individually and take a selfie and tag themselves with like hashtag walkthevote or hashtag walkthevote2020, uh, we're getting the word out there, so it kind of has a little bit more of an organic, you know, kind of like we said, a grassroots feel to it. Is the idea that if you gather together to walk, that some people will walk and vote who might have not voted, much less walked? Or is the idea more that you want people to see it? It's like a little parade, and by people seeing that parade, they might be inspired to vote at a different time. Basically, are you doing it for the gram? Yeah, I would say that pretty much equal. Um, you know, we want folks to get out and do this. Um, we know that even, um, you know, ballots, um, you know, came out or started coming out last night. They'll be arriving in Oregonians' homes the next day or two. And um, I'm not sure about the other counties, but I noticed that in Multnomah County, they've actually moved back the date to be able to safely mail your ballot. You know, typically it's been, what, four or five days before um, the election, um, business days. And now um, they put it down as uh, October 27th, which is a full week before Election Day because of, um, you know, um, concerns about mail delays. So the big thing is we want to alert people to alternatives. You know, in in Oregon, of course, we've been voting by mail for a long time. And I'm not saying we don't trust the the mail or the USPS. We certainly do. But we just know that people need to get that in earlier. So we're just trying to raise just a lot of attention. Um, so it's kind of it's twofold, exactly as you laid it out. You were a delegate to the Democratic National Convention this year, yeah? Yes. Did that mean you stayed home and watched it on a computer? Uh, yes, you know, <laughs> in our zoomed out world, yes. Um, well, you know, it was interesting. Um, I didn't during the the delegate piece of things. Um, we had programming available, so there was a lot of great variety. And um, the Oregon Democratic Party especially put together some fantastic programming. So it was mixed up enough that it wasn't like you were just watching something on Zoom the whole time. You know, you were connecting with other people in other areas. Um, like what? Had, like how? Like like a, it was a Zoom webinar and you jump into some breakout room and, I don't know, play categories. What was the kind of stuff <laughs> that you do? Well, basically what we did is so um, we would meet um, initially, you know, with the Oregon delegation. And then what we would do after that point um, was they would typically have kind of like a happy hour event for us. Then we would have breakouts with different groups. So um, in one event, uh, we met with Western states. 
um, another event, we met with states that had women governors. And so we met with delegates from those areas. And then we um, went into a program. So there was a program put on by, you know, women governors. So including, obviously, our governor, Kate Brown, uh, which is good. So they did a lot of that. And then they basically released some people had watch parties for the actual televised part of the debate. Um, I sat, you know, on the couch and watched that with with my dogs and my partners, and um, and then we texted back and forth with other delegates. So there was a really great connection, even though we weren't able to be on the floor as in typical years. What was the most number of screens in your experience? It sounds like do you have a three screen experience? You limit yourself to a two screen experience. It sounds like you had maybe a big screen with the TV, watching the speeches. You had maybe your medium-sized computer screen gathering with the Zoom, and then maybe your small screen texting. I, I have an, an affliction and an affection for screens, and mm-hmm. is why I do radio. And I'm wondering, how. what was your max number of screens? Um, I would say it was four. Oh, and boy, a four-screen yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Now you're talking well, to me, buddy. Yeah. yeah, this is just like election night for me. So when election night happens, I have the... The, the television screen on. Okay. I have actually I have probably five screens. Oh um, boy. Okay. I have, I have okay. The computer. Okay. Talk to me. Give it to me. Five thirty eight. One on New York Times. Uh-huh. Upshot. You know all of that kind of stuff, and I'm running back and forth, which probably controls my nerves a little bit. So, hence why we're involved with a, a walk to vote. So, kind of so we got. I, we got. I listen. Listen. I got <laughs> I, I the gear ahead of me. I got to understand. Just go. Okay. So I, I got the TV. I got the laptop. I got the. I got the. Uh, the I got the what this call let's call a phone. And then what are the other two? Like two other little laptops or another TV? What what are the other two? Um, here? So I have a desktop, a laptop, oh, the desktop, phone, of course, and then I have an iPad and, and the, the iPad. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, all there. Man. <laughs> do you have? Do you get frequent flyer miles with one of these tech companies? Do at least they give you gift cards, or do they just they just leech leech off us all? That's what happens. Uh, no, you know what? The the only gift is, I guess, controlling my 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 election anxiety. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. So the how are you feeling about the election? You got any predictions? You have any? Uh, you have any uh, uh, trepidations? Well, you know, I I think I don't have to tell you and anyone else who's listening, you know, that it's been more of like a a roller coaster in so many ways the last four years. And then as we get closer, I think we have the PTSD that some of us, you know, are still dealing with from 2016. Um, I do feel I feel optimistic, though, um, in what I'm seeing. Um, Number one, what's really interesting. So when we started Walk the Vote, um, we found a lot of other people were doing the same thing. And it just really, it feels like the word is very much out there that you must have a plan to vote and you need to vote early. Um, I um, have been doing some texting um, in Wisconsin. Um, in fact, uh, one of your, your pals, Zach Klinowski, says that you need to um, call him and do some texting um, or some phone calls to uh, Wisconsin. So he asked me to to do that online. Wow, I'm today. getting recruited. I'm getting recruited on the air. That's You're a, getting recruited. It's an excellent um, note. But in terms of feeling um, about the election, um, you know, we've seen the news about voters waiting in line for 12 hours in Georgia, 12 hours uh, for early voting in Texas. And obviously, people should not have to wait that long. It's, it's you know, uh, really atrocious that they're having to do that. But the fact that nobody is leaving that line and they're waiting 12 hours to vote early says a lot. And we know that the early voting numbers are just huge this year. I mean, I think it surpassed the 10 million mark as of yesterday. Well, you're motivated um, so, to vote, aren't you? 
Oh, of course. Heck, yeah, you're I've walking. You're not. You're else. not even driving. You're deciding to. You're just hoofing it. I don't. We don't care. You save the price of a stamp. You don't need to spend any gas. Heck, you don't even need a bicycle. You can walk the vote. Eric Delahoy with Walk the Vote. Thanks for being with us. You bet. Thanks to Eric for joining the local, and huge thanks to our production team. Executive Editor-in-Charge, Will Romy, Supporting Editors and Writers, Miranda Selinger, Jonathan Covington-Brem, Sophie Mallon, Brian Miller, Julie Oppenheimer, Carly Quadros, Jaleesa Ringering, Ryder Sherwood, and Sam Smargiasi. Big ups to co-executive producer Emily Gilliland. I'm Jefferson Smith. You can send your story ideas and suggestions to the local at xray.fm. You can post compliments at five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, your favorite platform. If you want to help out with a fun drive starting next week, please do email the local at xray.fm. Heck, you can email me, jefferson at xray.fm. And big thanks to original journalism and research by the Lund Report, the Oregon Health Authority, covid19.healthdata.org, the Oregon Historical Society, Portland Business Journal, KGW, the Willamette Week, COIN, Pamplin Media, OPB, KTU, the Oregonian, Statesman Journal, and news partners, Portland Mercury and Street Roots. Thank you for listening to The Local, your hometown, in about 30 minutes. Thanks for subscribing and giving a five-star review. And thank you, democracy. Talk to you on Monday. X-ray, 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 X-ray.